This morning we're going to be reading from John 13, 12 through 20. But first we're going to do, while you're looking that up, we're going to do our memory verse. We're going to read it through twice. Are you all ready? Okay, read it with me. I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. Okay, John 12, 46. I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. Okay, good job. Next week, the pastor's going to start taking words out, so you need to be prepared. All right, we're going to be reading this week from John 13, 12 through 20, and you're welcome to use your electronic devices to look that up. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. I am telling you now before it happens so that when it does, you will believe that I am he. I tell you the truth, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. And whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. May God bless the reading of his word. So we're in this series we just started, Before I Go, and uh, there's several scenarios that we experience um, in our society that I think kind of point to a little bit of what Jesus must have been feeling as he prepared to go to the cross, as he prepared for his death and resurrection and ascension to heaven. And, uh, you know, one of those experiences that we, that we can relate to is, is like when a parent takes their child to college. Right, and you've been the physical presence, guiding force in their life as you've raised them, and then there's this like, especially if you're taking them, you know, to a dorm room or out out of town, uh, and you're dropping them off. It's like, you know, I haven't been there yet. I'm hoping, you know, maybe we can just keep them home uh, <laughs> when we get to that stage. Uh, I don't have to worry about that for a little while, but those of you, if you've ever experienced that or known someone who's experienced that, there's this feeling you must have, right, of, okay, I'm not going to be here anymore. Like, all the stuff that I've tried to, you know, teach them over the years, hopefully some of it will stick. Uh, hopefully they'll survive out here on their own. Uh, you know, here's a, you know, back in the day it was like, here's a, a, a card you can use to, that has minutes on it and you can call me with it right and now we don't have to worry with that kind of stuff but it's, you know it's the before I go right and mom's got to mention all the stuff you know your laundry don't forget how to keep your meal card with you you know all these things that you've got to make sure that they remember to do um, 
boy, I mean, Jesus must have felt a little bit like that. I mean, he had been with these guys intensively for two or three years, training, training, training. They're young men. I mean, this is like, you know, high school youth group or whatever. Like, they're young men, and, and their whole world's about to be turned upside down. Like, they thought their world was turned upside down when Jesus showed up and said, follow me. But it was really about to be turned upside down. The, the world-altering movement that Jesus was beginning was about to rest squarely on their shoulders. They were going to be doing this without his physical presence. And so we have this section in the Gospel of John where it's obvious what's on Jesus' mind. He's about to be going, but before he goes... Before I go, you should know. Last week we talked about one of the last things, if not the last thing, that the Gospel of John records that Jesus said to the crowd. And kind of a, before I go, here's what the world needs to know. They need to know why I came. Uh, this week is the first thing that he rec- we have recorded that, that he shared with his disciples themselves. They, they had withdrawn from the world. There was no longer crowds around. They were in a quiet room by themselves. And there were some things that Jesus needed to share with them. Uh, before we discuss that, uh, how many of you like superhero movies? Anyone? All right, someone? Yeah? All right. So there's lots of them nowadays. When I was growing up, you had a choice. It was like Batman or Superman. That's pretty much it. And then like at some point they had Spider-Man. Now there's all kinds of superheroes. Like I can't even keep up with them. I don't know if you can keep up with them. There's a new superhero every month at the theater. You just And then they have these movies like Avengers where it's like seven superheroes. I'm like, "Who's that? Wait, what?" <laughs> It's too much going on for me to handle. When I was a kid, it was Superman and Batman, right? And Superman, like the original Superman movie, that's hard to beat. I'm just saying. It's hard to beat. I mean, redirecting that missile into outer space. And then everyone's favorite part, you know, when Lois dies. Sorry to give it away if you haven't seen it yet, but I mean, come on, it's been around for decades. She dies... He screams, right, and then flies so fast around the world that the time actually reverses. This is, you know, something that Einstein wasn't able to figure out, but Superman worked that out and, uh, and then, you know, sent it back going. And then, anyway, amazing. Where do you think the idea came from? That those who are given extraordinary power and resources have the opportunity, actually the responsibility to use that power for the good of others, for the good of the world. It's not, it's not really logical. It's, it's not something that other you know, pagan societies in the past would have worked out. You know, heroes of ancient cultures, you know, they weren't necessarily heroes because they were looking out for everyone. They were heroes just because they were a god or a son of a god or, you know, they were amazing. They were beautiful. They were powerful. Where did this idea come from? And and what does it have to do with us? 
Surely we're not superheroes. Let's find out. So the context of this passage we read today is that they're gathering for a Passover festival. Jesus gathers his disciples for this annual traditional festival and celebration says that Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So we have, again, this this feeling that, okay, Jesus knew that the hour had come. Having loved his own, these, these disciples that the Father had given to him, he loved them to the end. And this is the... This is the, the heading, right? And you're, we're going to find this time and again throughout this, throughout this series that it's like he's turned his eyes to the cross. That his hour has come. And in light of that, he has some things to do and he has some things to say. And so at this Passover festival, as they gather in this upper room to break bread and to share a cup and to share this special meal that was different than other meals because it reminded them of the exodus with Moses and it was, it was something that they knew from childhood on and, and they celebrated together and so this was a special moment anyway but made more grave, more solemn surely. Uh, there must have been a different feel about this year's celebration than what they had done with Jesus in the past because Jesus knew And catch this. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal and took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around them. One of the most remarkable things to me about the Gospels, the more I study them, is how many weird trains of thought there are that made perfect sense to them and make no sense to me. Okay, just follow that. I mean, I think we just read over it. But it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Like, Superman had nothing on Jesus, right? God the Father that created all things put all things under Jesus' power. So, because of that, he picked up a towel and a basin of water and went around washing his disciples' grody feet. Makes perfect sense, right? Like, if God put all things under your power and you were almighty, powerful, king and ruler of the world, the first thing you would do is grab a basin and wash my feet, right? And yet this makes perfect sense to Jesus, to his disciples, to the gospel writers. It reminds me of the Great Commission. That we, is another verse that we mention a lot, but comes from Matthew's gospel, where it says that God had put all things under Jesus' authority. Uh, you know, Jesus said, all things have been put under my authority, therefore go and make disciples of the world. And you're like, okay. It's these interesting trains of thought that they had. But it seems obvious that for Jesus, 
having power meant having responsibility. Having power meant that he was going to use that to serve. And so they tie in this gospel account the fact that God had put all power in Jesus' hands with the fact that Jesus used his hands to wash his disciples' feet. It's not the sort of thing you would expect him to do with all of that power. You might expect him to fly around the world until it spun backwards and then fly around the world again until it spun the other way and then altered time and space and he washed feet which was the job of a slave in that society. Of, of the basest job of a, of a servant, right? To get down on your hands and, knee, and knees and, and pick up dirty, grimy feet. They didn't have socks. And they didn't have closed-toed shoes. <laughs> so it's just a dirty job, right? If micro had existed back then, he would have gone and shadowed Jesus washing feet, right? He would, or some servant or slave. Look at this job. Interesting. He said, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is the only place in the Gospels where we have this account of Jesus washing feet, but it's not the only place in the Gospels where we have this conversation taking place about what it looks like to have power, to use power, about the call of Jesus' followers and disciples to do as he had done and would do. In Matthew and Mark's Gospel accounts, we have James and John seeking special positions in the kingdom. Even their mom comes to Jesus and says, Would you put one of my sons at your right hand and one of my sons at your left hand and, and let them rule with you when you come into glory? And, and Jesus said, First off, you don't even know what you're asking. As my throne will be a cross and I don't know if your sons really are up for being at my left hand and right hand, that might be for someone else to do. Second off, that's not for me to give. But then he launches into this whole discussion with them about the nature of leadership in his kingdom. In Luke's gospel, an argument breaks out amongst the disciples here at the end, just like at the end of John's gospel. And, and Jesus says to them, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, but you're not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who's greater? The one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who's at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. 
It's really hard for us to get worked into our brains because in our brains and in our understanding of things, when you have power, people serve you. It's just the way it's always been. But Jesus says, in his kingdom, it's different. And when you have power, you use it. You use it for the good of others. And that's our, our note for today. Our, our, if you don't take anything else away today, take this away. That use your power for the good of others. And you might say, well, what power? Well, the power that Jesus gave you. The power that Jesus gave you. Are you a follower of Jesus? Are you a disciple of Jesus? Then you have more power than you know what to do with. There's something that uh, perhaps, again, we don't think about much or understand as well as maybe they did. There's a story in the Gospels where Jesus uh, is asked by a centurion to come and to heal his servant. And uh, Jesus says, okay, I'll come. And the centurion says, no, don't bother to come. I'm not worthy of that. But he says... I understand how authority works because I also am under authority. And so I say to this one, go, and he goes, and I say to this one, come, and he comes. And so if you'll just say for it to be done, then I know it'll be done. And Jesus says, wow, can't even find that kind of faith amongst my own people, the Jews. But did you notice, it's always caught me as strange that the centurion says, I too am a man under authority. See, he understood what we sometimes don't understand is that authority is derived from who you're, whose authority you're under. So in his case, uh, his authority was traced back ultimately to the emperor of Rome. But he had commanding officers as well. And so because he was serving under them, he had the authority to boss other people around, right? And so because Jesus was under the authority of the Father, the creator of heaven and earth, that he was one with him, that he was the very representation of him on earth because of who he was and the authority that he was under, in a sense, therefore he had such tremendous authority as to speak and it be done, as to tell a demon to leave and they must flee. It was because of the authority he was under. When you're a disciple of Jesus, you're under his authority. The authority of the one whom it said, all things have been put under his power. And now Jesus, in this passage, is passing the mantle. He, he already knows that he's going to be gone soon. And it's going to be up to them. So understanding that all things were under his power, he served them, and then he told them that they should do in turn. They were under his authority. And having all that power, 
that comes from being under the one who has all power. They should use that power for the good of others. Use your power for the good of others. How do we do this? Probably you still don't feel that powerful. I mean, I'm telling you, you're powerful. You probably still don't feel all that powerful. But you have power. If you follow Jesus, you don't ever have to be in a situation where things aren't right and wonder whose job it is to help make it right. You've been given power and authority because of who you're under. If Jesus has authority to do a work in that situation, then you have authority to do your part. Whether that part be small or large. You have the authority. You have the power. You're going to have to get used to that idea. Because all eternity, as a disciple of Jesus, all eternity is going to be spent under his authority, reigning with him, the king of everything. So the question then is, will you be as humble as Jesus? Will you be as humble as Jesus? Philippians 2 written by the Apostle Paul, who was not in that room to have his feet washed and yet had this teaching ingrained in him as well, taught, taught a creed that was known by the earliest Christians. He says, Have the same attitude of Jesus Christ, who didn't, didn't abuse the power that he was given, didn't take his equality with God as something to be you know, taken advantage of, but instead humbled himself, taking on the very likeness of a servant. That's how the Apostle Paul described it. That, that Jesus, having all this power, didn't use that power for his own gain and glory, but instead humbled himself to take on the very role of a servant. And he says, have the same attitude. A humble attitude. If we're going to use our power for the good of others, it starts with humility. Which my wife reminded me this morning of a quote from C.S. Lewis, which I was glad she did because it helps so much with this. Where C.S. Lewis says that this is not so much humility, is not so much about thinking less of yourself as it is about thinking of yourself less. Not so much about thinking less of yourself as it is about thinking of yourself less. Which is probably an idea that C.S. Lewis took straight from that chapter in Philippians 2 where Paul says, don't just think about your own interests, but also the interests of others. Don't just think about your life and what you need and what you want, but also what others need and what they want. 
You don't have to go around saying, oh, I'm so terrible to be humble. In fact, some of the least humble people are the people that go around saying, oh, look at me. <laughs> right? They just have a humble way of it. <laughs> but no, think of yourself less. Think of others more. Learn to look around you. This is something that, man, I'm in a battle with a lot lately, it feels like. I'll leave a situation where I was spending time with people and I'm like, I spent that whole time like just oblivious to what they might need or what they might want or what I could say to them to encourage them. We've got to change our mindset. We've got to learn to use our power for the good of others instead of trying to figure out how to advance ourselves. In our homes is where this has to start. In our homes the people, our families, right? Whoever it is that you live with, that you spend the most time with, with your spouse or with your children or with your parents or with your you know, sibling or whoever it is that you spend the most time with, who is it that you need to begin having this attitude and seeing and exploring how can I use my power for their good? How can I use my power, whatever it is, to bless them, to encourage them, to help them? What is it that they need? What is it that my parents need that I could help with? What is it that my wife or my, you know, your husband, what is it that they need? How can I use my power for their good? What is it that my kids truly need? A lot of parents that don't use their power. Some parents, I feel like, give their power away to their kids, right? But no, we're supposed to use our power for the good of our kids. Not to lord it over them, but to raise them up to maturity in Christ. What about in the church? with your brothers and sisters in Christ. What's going on in their lives? Take the time to get to know them. This is your family that is thicker than blood. It's your spiritual family, your eternal family. What's going on in their lives? How can you use your power for their good? In your little sphere of influence in this world, Maybe that's at work. Maybe that's somewhere else for you in this season of your life. But maybe you work for someone, or maybe there's people that work for you. How do you use your power for the good of others? You may have a boss, but does your boss have authority from the one who has all power? I'm not telling you that so that you walk in and tell him who's boss this week. I'm just saying. <laughs> Use your power for the good of your boss. Use your power for the good of the world around us, in our community and around the globe. There are things that you can do because God's given you power and authority. And you don't have to ask whose job it is and whether it's your job and 
well, maybe I need to run this by the pastor before we start doing the whatever this is. Just go and do it. <laughs> I'll let you know if I don't like it later. <laughs> Just play. Use the power that you have for the good of others. This is what it means as well when we're taught to pray in Jesus' name. Or to do anything in Jesus' name is to do it under his authority and thereby in his power. We, when we pray in his name, we're conducting business in his name. We're doing his business in his name. All power has been given to him. When we pray in his name, we're saying, Jesus, this is something that you care about. Let's do something here. Pray in his name. Act in his name. Use the power for the good. Sometimes you might even have to have the humility to be served. There are certain seasons of our lives where you may be the one that's used to serving, but it may be time for you to accept someone serving you. And sometimes that's hard to swallow. Just ask Peter. He said, Lord, don't wash my feet. Uh-uh. <laughs> well, sometimes it may be time to let someone wash your feet. You need to be humble enough for that as well. So let's humble ourselves Use our power for the good of others. You know, Superman and all those heroes. Where'd they get that? That notion that it was their responsibility because they had so much power to use that power for the good of others. It doesn't come naturally to us. But it was modeled for us by the one who lays all the superheroes in the shade. The greatest hero of them all. Superman, in that movie, you know, freaked out when Lois died because she was so special to him, and so he moved Earth to help her. I wonder if he would have done the same if it had been, you know, his arch nemesis. As you think about what it means to, to use your power for the good of others, remember that in that room, on that night, Jesus knew which one of them would deny him, and he knew which one of them would betray him. And he washed their feet too. Can you imagine looking up into Judas' eyes as you washed his feet, knowing what he was about to do? And Jesus went to the cross knowing your betrayal and mine, knowing that. We were still yet enemies of God, and yet he served to the uttermost. If he did that for you, 
And if he did that for me, then how could we who are his not do likewise in his name? Let's pray together. Jesus, you came as light into the world so that everyone who believes in you will not remain in darkness. And one of the first things that you told your disciples, one of the first things that you told them was to serve, to become a servant, to use your power given to them for the good of others. Thank you, Father, for sending the suffering servant to show us the way from darkness into light. God, we admit that the, the idea of using our power for our own good is so ingrained in us. Holy Spirit, teach us a better way. Teach us that it's truly more blessed to serve than to be served. Teach us to be washers of feet everywhere we go this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.